1: Did you just pay me a dollar
0: on Apple Cash? Maybe. Shh. Services are provided by Green Dot Bank, member FDIC. Terms apply. The kakadu plum is an Australian
2: native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a kakadu smoothie?
0: In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought... In that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. (laughs) Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.
1: Ridiculous Crime is a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, Aaron.
2: What's up, Elizabeth Dutton?
1: Uh, you know what's ridiculous?
2: Yes, I do. Okay, it's almost Thanksgiving. Yes. And I was thinking back about the Macy's Day Thanksgiving Day Parade, mm-hmm. which is a big family favorite. Do you guys watch it? No. Okay. Well, my family used to always watch it, and I was thinking back. It's like, well, I remember there being some crazy things. So I looked it up, and in 1997 there was an absolutely hectic Macy's Day, Thanksgiving Day parade, right? Really? So what happens is there was winds whipping around. The winds are like at 43 miles an hour that day. They decide, we're going to do it anyway. Now, these are huge They're balloons. big
1: inflatables, yeah. Exactly,
2: and it takes like teams of people to hold them down. So I watched the footage, right? And this was like, Amazing, because they lost multiple floats in the parade. The Pink Panther goes out, like, at 42nd Street. The Quick Bunny, the Cat in the Hat, they both go down at 36th Street. <laughs> but the one that I loved the most happened to be Barney, the big purple dinosaur. Oh, boy. So, after the Pink Panther had been, you know, taken out with a knife by the NYPD, uh-huh. Barney comes down the, the path, and Barney is, like, getting whipped around, and the handlers have to lose control of him, Right. And it becomes this menace where the wind is going so fast, the handlers are literally lying down on the street. Another handler is lying on top of them, trying to hold them down because the wind is lifting them off the ground. I was
1: wondering if anyone got flung over on a rope. Completely. And then through like a window. Not that
2: good. (laughs) good. But there were some people like uh, things fell and stuff. People got actually hurt. But aside from that, there was when Barney goes down, and I quote, one lady said, everything turned purple, right? So <laughs> what happens is like, as the balloon handles are trying to fight to hold Barney, he hits this like light post and then all of a sudden rips open his side. So now Barney, the, oh. the dinosaur is eviscerated in the air, flailing away and the wind is going right into his torn open side. And so people are screaming, children are screaming, yeah, for the, the families are <laughs> screaming. And so what did people do? Because now also the wind is starting to whip this thing around like a kite and the handlers are trying to hold it down. So so they're able to cut the ropes that are tied around one lamppost. Now Barney's flapping around and he's down at, like, street level. So uh-huh. he's getting close to, like, hitting people. The NYPD, once again, rushes in. Someone's like, give me a knife. And then so they get a knife and they go at Barney with knives and they cut apart. Stop it. <laughs> they cut apart Barney in front of all the children <laughs> who are there and then all the children watching, the millions at home. And it is one of the funniest things I've is ever there, seen. Is
1: there a documentary about this?
2: No, but you can find it on YouTube. Oh, actually, I don't know. There may I, be. I
1: think there's should be and I want it to be very solemn the day that Barney went down. Oh, it's insane. Yeah. So I would watch that. Yeah, if you want to see it, it's on YouTube. Okay. Well, that's ridiculous. Right? Do you know what else is ridiculous? No, hit me with it. Two kids hacking major military installations in search of UFO intel.
2: Oh, I love these kids. <clears throat>
1: This is ridiculous crime. A podcast about absurd and outrageous capers, heists and cons. It's always 99% murder-free and 100% ridiculous. I am not particularly computer literate. <laughs> I mean, I'm proficient in Microsoft Office Suite applications, it says it right on there me. on my resume. <laughs> uh, but I'm kind of I'm in awe of hackers. Why? Well, I mean, all of the 90s version of them. Okay. You know, like they were more adventurous then. Now it's like malicious and financial, right? But like to know the backdoor operations of things like that. Mm -hmm. and
2: Back in the day, people would be cracking in just because they wanted to see if they could get in, if they wanted to see what was being held in there and say these UFO intel secrets. Right, right. But to to
1: know how to do that rather than only know the front-facing things. Um, I'm going to focus on the golden age of hacking, late 80s, early 90s. Do you remember that Angelina Jolie film Hackers?
2: <laughs> yes, the one you mention often.
1: It had a really good theme song, Hacking on a Star. <laughs> Did it really? Yeah, Randy Newman sang it. <laughs> had other classics on the soundtrack, Nights of Hackstasia. Are you are you serious? And then Computer Pooper? You're not and kidding. Disk is how we do it, IT.
2: You're, are you kidding?
1: I'm completely kidding. <laughs> like, I'm over here, I could have believed you 100%. <laughs> like, yeah, you know what? Well, okay, I shouldn't joke, but in all honesty, there were three soundtracks for that movie. Did you know that? No. <laughs> so, and that's 100% true. They just couldn't stop. Do you know what it was. <laughs> How many songs are in the movie? <laughs> well, I don't know, but there's track one, disc one is mm-hmm. called Original Bedroom Rockers by Kruder and Dorfmeister.
2: Okay so now I now I have to assume you're telling
1: the truth. I hadn't heard of it but I listened to that song for the sake of research. Mm-hmm. It's the music that you play when you're like in the 90s and it's dark and it's wet and you're in a cityscape mm-hmm. and you're sneaking. <laughs> That's what that it's for. You're like wearing a choker and thick-soled Doc Martens and you're just hacking it up. <laughs> That's what that's for. Just poking around. Uh, And you have Tiny Bangs.
2: Oh, of course. Male,
1: female, none of the above, Tiny Bangs. Goes with my choker. Uh, Do you know what was track one on disc two?
2: Um, This is how we do it. No. No.
1: Firestarter by The Prodigy. Oh,
2: I actually like Like that song. Like, if that doesn't
1: take you back, I don't know. Yeah, that song is
2: 90s is all hell. So,
1: in the movie, they talk about the essay Hacker Manifesto, which is also known as The Conscience of a Hacker.
2: Oh, yeah, that's a legit thing.
1: Uh, It defined the whole hacker business. The you know, the biz, the ethos as if we you will. like to call it, yeah. it was written by a hacker, a hacker <laughs> named the mentor. yes, he was a hacker. <laughs> uh, his mama named him Lloyd Blankenship. He ah. called himself the mentor. Can I read you the very end of it? please um should I do it in my junior high drama kid voice?
2: I was going to ask. ask.
1: This is our world now. The world of the electron and the switch. The beauty of the bod. We make use of a service already existing without paying for what could be dirt cheap if it wasn't run by profiteering gluttons. And you call us criminals. We explore and you call us criminals. We seek after knowledge and you call us criminals. We exist without skin color, without nationality, without religious bias, and you call us criminals. You build atomic bombs, you wage wars, you murder, cheat, and lie to us and try to make us believe it's for our own good. Yet we're the criminals. Yes, I am a criminal My crime is that of curiosity. My crime is that of judging people by what they say and think, not what they look like. My crime is that of outsmarting you, something that you will never forgive me for. I'm a hacker, and this is my manifesto. You may stop this individual, but you cannot stop us all. After all, we're all alike. (laughs) This reminds
2: me of the Simpsons joke where Ed (laughs) Bakley drives a car that's powered off of his sense of self-satisfaction. Yeah, yeah.
1: there's like serious Jean Valjean energy yeah, up in exactly. there, right? I mean, wow. Does it make you want to go to coding class and just pop off? Once I get done
2: waving this flag over my head.
1: <laughs> Makes me want to go back to seventh grade and do a play. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Killing it, girl,
1: killing it. So hackers, uh-huh. uh That was a real star turn for old Angelina Jolie. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. I think that's how she met and married Johnny Lee Miller. Sick boy. I
2: think you're actually right about that. I am right about that.
1: <laughs> so <laughs> you never hackers, back,
2: you're pretending like you don't.
1: Uh-huh. <laughs> hackers. It came out in 1995. Uh-huh. It was in the public consciousness. Hacking.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah. Big deal.
1: Uh, it'd been there for a while. You know, he had Matthew Broderick in War Games. Oh, also in Sandra
2: Bullock and The Net. That's right. That was, yes.
1: Yeah, that was like the sanitized version. Yeah,
2: that was like the Kelly looking at the, her, her out, or was it her Outlook when she's got oh, the Palm Pilot? Um, hello,
1: Microsoft Excel. Excel. There you go. I'm Say. proficient in Microsoft Office Suite. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that was, the Net is like the Panera version yes. of Hackers.
2: <laughs> the and Hackers is like hackers. the Hot Topic version of everything. <laughs>
1: So, Hackers, released in 1995. In 1996, June 5th, 1996, there was a U.S. Senate permanent subcommittee on investigations that held a hearing on security in cyberspace. Mm. So, you know, it's...
2: Protecting Al Gore's internet.
1: We got to. Um, The hearing was really all about the National Information Infrastructure as well as America's dependency on said infrastructure, the NII. It's basically, according to Senate staffers, quote, the advanced computer systems, databases, and telecommunications networks throughout the United States that make electronic information widely available and accessible. So we're talking about, like, the Internet, Mm
2: -hmm, Essentially.
1: (laughs) Cable, wireless, satellite.
2: So this was the Telecommunications Follow-Up Act? I guess. Cell
1: phones. Um, it's just a part of the global infrastructure, mm-hmm. just the U.S. And so this this subcommittee, they they put together a report and they figured out like what the vulnerabilities were for this infrastructure, uh, weakness in hardware and software, okay, just weak weak sauce, it's generally weak sauce, okay. human factor, which also is always weak, weak, weak sauce, sauce. <laughs> and then a lack of security culture.
2: Ah, so that's like the whole my my password is password.
1: Yeah, it's like the I have the people who put a post-it note with their password under their keyboard at oh, work.
2: Do people really do that?
1: You, have, you don't work in offices. No, I don't. Yeah, I
2: don't know anything about office culture. That's like
1: if you, yeah, you just lift a keyboard. You're probably <laughs> on a on some people's. Yeah, you're probably gonna find their. So password.
2: they don't even like tape it underneath their desk drawer. Well, they or might anything? do that too. If I mean, really if going I were really mile. trying
1: to look for someone, that's what I would do. And okay. And not that I would. <laughs> um, so, in an example, the congressional staffers they said quote the staff requested from various agencies the name of the individual or office in charge of computer safety most agencies responded that they did not know who that individual was or that they did not know if such a position existed or that the position was spread over numerous departments so like who's in charge of security at the state department they're like oh i don't know state department like like security security i mean oh, like bob in the front door cyber security? he plays a lot of games um so but this is 1996 Lots changed since then, but still. Um, so, this subcommittee—were they just reacting to the smash hit movie Hackers? <laughs> Most likely. <laughs> no. No. There was a Tarn. specific hack that was detailed in Appendix B to the report. No. Oh. And this is a cautionary tale. Please. Um, they said, "Quote: The following case study is a good illustration of the type of threat facing our Department of Defense information infrastructure." Although the incident has been fully investigated by the Air Force Office of Special Investigations, numerous questions remain unanswered. So now we're not just talking like random business at at the at the government level. We're talking about Air Force. So it's
2: like some uh, war games kind of stuff. Like yeah. they hacked into the DoD and they're like getting yes. nuclear codes or whatever. Do you
1: want to play a game? <laughs> so let's talk hackers. All right. My story today, mm-hmm. what's important is what I'm going to talk about. Uh, it's a gruesome twosome, a buddy story. Okay, Two young hackers taking on the world. The first guy is someone you've already heard of. Angelina Jolie.
2: <laughs> ah, yes. I have heard of her. No, it's
1: Matthew Bevan. Uh, he was—the yeah, the name sounds Heist. familiar. He was—yeah, he was on that British TV show, The Heist, starring our personal savior, Arnold Um He was a Welshman, or is a Welshman, internationally known. <laughs> he, he remains still a Welshman. He's <laughs> permanently an uh, internationally known hacker, started young. He eventually became a white hat security expert. Who knows what he's doing today? We're hoping for his best life. But let's go back to the start. Born nineteen seventy four, Wales, Europe. <laughs> <laughs> Ta da. His dad was a cop. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he gets his first computer, his first real six string when he's twelve. <laughs> okay. And when he's fifteen, he gets his first real modem. <laughs> 1989 for my fellow math deficients, right? Okay, so it seems kind of early for modems and such. 89, Mm -hmm. at least for like the average person. Oh yeah, no, I
2: had a friend whose father was a journalist, and he used a modem to send his newspaper column in, and we thought that was wild. Yeah, he'd like put a phone on this thing. Yeah, the little cradle thing.
1: Well, there, there's little Matthew scooting and computing. Mm -hmm. You know, 1989. I mentioned it in the heist episode that he got his modem and he started freaking. Oh yeah, freaking out with the pH yeah. girl. Ugh. Free phone calls, Ugh. hacking the phone mainframe and the so on's.
2: Freak of the week.
1: <laughs> so that then got him internet access, and since it's the early days, not everything is online. Not yeah, he's based on
2: college networks.
1: Yeah, but the stuff that is connected, ooh, he's just tooting right on in. Now, um, he picked his hacker name, Kuji. Mm-hmm. Kooji? Yeah. It comes from Kooji Kiri. Are you familiar with that? Hell no. That's just, I'm ashamed for you. um as <laughs> we, we As the rest of us all know, it's ninja sign language.
2: Is it really? Yeah, it is. <laughs> That's amazing. I'm not making
1: that one up. It's hand signs that ninjas use to call upon their powers when they're in danger. Huh. So according to my new favorite website, wayoftheninja.com. <laughs> yes. Kuji means nine symbols, and Kiri refers to the cutting motion. Wow. And the nine symbols are Rin, Pyo, To, Sha, Kai, Jin, Retsu, Zai, and Zen. I know I'm saying things wrong, and mm-hmm. I have deep apologies for that. Each symbol... According to this website, quote, each symbol has a specific meaning. So to invoke a specific ability, you have to perform the correct symbol. For example, if a ninja gets injured, he'd perform the Kuji symbol for healing while in a meditative state. In other words, Kuji Kiri is like a meditative prayer. The combination of hand signs, breath, and visualization induces a powerful mental state. There's no proof of people gaining extraordinary senses or healing powers. What Kuji does is to trigger a specific mental state for a shinobi. This optimal state of mind helps him function well under stress. It may also create the ideal conditions for his body to recover a tad faster.
2: <laughs> I'm kind of embarrassed to admit, but at one time I did know this when I was a 12-year-old boy in Love Ninjas. I was like, oh, I know. Oh, and by didn't want to I interrupt you. I you can't, <laughs> yeah. you know,
1: I— you can't be a 12-year-old boy and, and not, not have a little bit of ninja in you.
2: Oh, my God. I had a lot of ninja in And, me. like,
1: folding up throwing stars. Oh, yes. And, yeah.
2: We used to go down to Chinatown and buy them. In fact, one of my favorite memories is coming back from Chinatown, throwing them up in the air, and we were wearing, like, you know, flip-flops, and the ninja star fell and hit my <laughs> friend in the foot, and blood spurted up higher than his head. <laughs>
1: Can we talk about how that's your one of your favorite memories, you said?
2: Because we were so happy to get the <laughs> ninja stars. It's about the ninja stars, not about the blood. <laughs>
1: not about the geyser of blood. <laughs> yeah, but it was forth. impressive. He was impressed, too. That sounds it. Well, so Matthew called himself Kuji. <laughs> Kuji, <laughs> Go on. Um, I need to take a break right now and <laughs> I'm practice up Ninja. my Kooji kitty. Um, let's listen to some ads. When we come back, I'm going to tell you about Kuji surf in the web in search of alien life.
2: Oh, hell yeah.
1: Can I rant for a sec? Please.
2: Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. As you know, the world can be a dangerous and unpredictable place. With every crime I've studied, I've learned one thing. Your best line of defense is your vigilance and preparation. You don't want to worry. You just want peace of mind. That's why I recommend Simply Safe Home Security. For every ridiculous robbery and theft we talk about, it's pretty obvious the crimes could be avoided with a solid security system. A good home security system keeps people prepared and aware. Simply Safe is that system. It was named Best Home Security Systems 2024 by U.S. News and World Report. And it doesn't just protect your home from crime. It also alerts you to fire, floods, and other emergencies. They offer sensors and cameras backed by 24-7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day. There are no contracts, and there's a 60-day money-back guarantee. Get 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com/ridiculouscrime. That's simplysafecom crime. There's no safe like Simply Safe.
3: I'm Katya Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico.
1: Yeah. When we left off, Matthew Bevan, a.k.a. Kuji, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. was crafting a mission. My favorite hacking ninja? Yes, he's doing a hacking mission. He started small, colleges, businesses, because not a lot of stuff was online. Yeah, his, it was like the Prodigy Network back then. Yeah, he and his hacker pals, they'd race each other to see who could hack the most systems in two hours. Hmm. So that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> in an interview with the BBC, he said that, hacking was, quote, perhaps the feeling that a parent might get if they find their child's diary. They know they should not read it. They know it's wrong, but they just can't help themselves.
2: Wow. Right? It's kind of an apt analogy, I think.
1: Yeah, but also it's like, so he has a cop for a dad. Uh He probably doesn't have a whole lot of, like, privacy privacy in the home. So (laughs) he's like, I know my parents are going to get off reading this. Um, They know they shouldn't, but they can't help themselves. So he and his pals hacking it up. Hack in the U.S.A. Well, U.K. Hack in UK. U.K. One of his pals is a teenage boy. And he's like, a, you know, Matthew's in his early 20s at this point. Teenage boy named Richard Price, who called himself DataStream Cowboy.
2: DataStream Cowboy?
1: Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Huh. Now, what I love is that the government kind of insults him and only calls him DataStream. Oh, how can you drop the cowboy? no! Dude, I mean, it
2: reminds me of Drugstore Cowboy, one of my favorite 90s movies. I can never <laughs> hear the words drugstore without secretly in my head going,
1: cowboy. I think they're just dropping it so that, first of all, it makes him feel a little familiar and he's a kid and then they're, like, insulting him. Yeah. But also maybe because in those days you had to print things up in hard copy. Uh-huh. If you took the word cowboy out, it would reduce over time the page count and you could save money. Really? No. <laughs> 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 We're going to talk about old Data Stream C later, but um, it was the 90s. Matthew was a young man, not a whole lot of real life friends. So, of course, he's a big fan of the X Files. Naturally. And he's fascinated with the Roswell incident. I'm not capping on him for that at all. No, oh, no. I'm no.
2: fascinated with the Roswell incident. Right.
1: And I love the X Files. And X-Files. you love the X Files. Uh, you he'd hear about hackers breaking into army and navy bases to find information about ufos he's like you know what i'm going to give it a try mm-hmm. why not me <laughs> <laughs> if so, not me <laughs> so i want in so there were rumors of 40 previous hackers who'd tried this to get into all these military things and then they disappeared they disappeared get out yeah but you know what, Matthew...
2: How do they know the hackers disappeared? Like, Did the hacker community say like they stopped All of a being, sudden, they're
1: not logging on. They're like, well...
2: Yeah, but is that... Re- okay. I don't know. But they weren't like disappeared, disappeared, like black helicopter disappeared. Well, it's a
1: rumor. So I'm sure that some people heard that, yeah, black helicopters came or they were thrown in vans. Other people are like, I haven't seen them online in a while. <laughs> so, you know... <laughs> disappeared. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Matthew took my informal motto who knows who cares and Mm -hmm. he just went with it who knows who cares I'm gonna try it Uh, so he summons data stream cowboy and I just like to imagine they're both wearing like crushed velvet capes I don't know why And then they get their freak on. Okay. Okay. So they're just a couple of freaks off the leash. Am I right, people? (laughs) Is this thing on? Um, They wanted to know what the feds had on the UFOs, the UFOs. Okay. As we say in the biz, it was the 90s. X Files, the rage, internet spreading out like a cancer across the (laughs) globe. (laughs) And there's Coogee and Datastream. Riding that cancer. Totally riding the cancer. Hee haw. Okay, so Matthew. The web of cancer. (laughs) A couple of freaks off the leash. Matthew hacks into the computer network at Air Force's Rome Laboratory at what was then Griffiths Air Force Base in Rome, New York. Okay. Did you know I've been to that Air Force base?
2: I did. I wanted to talk to you about that. No, I had no <laughs> idea. How would I know that?
1: You... Because, my good dude, that's where they held Woodstock 99. Oh, <laughs> snap! <laughs> Yours truly right there the whole time. That's... I
2: forgot you suffered
1: through Woodstock 99. I did. 99. I was working for Mother Jones Magazine at the time, uh-huh. and we were doing, like, marketing stuff there, but also very loosely covering it for the Mojo website. Yes and that's a whole other story for a whole other time. You you've written about this though, right? I have. There's a online On there's a Medium, version. Yeah, yeah, you can find it. Okay. So that uh yeah, I've been to the Force base. I haven't been in like the 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 brain center of it, the computer <laughs> because it was decommissioned when I was okay. there. You just suffered there. Anyway, oh yeah. Oof, smelled terrible. Anyway, time of the hack, Rome Lab was, quote, the Air Force's premier command and control research facility. Its projects included artificial intelligence system, radar guidance system, and target detection and tracking system.
2: Why does this description sound like it comes with a slow gin fizz? <laughs> I Don't you like a like bubbly? That's what happens cocktail? when you
1: when you go into the internet now and yeah. you type it in, that's what comes out of your computer, that sound the voice. <laughs> Anytime you want a description of anything important. Did
2: you ever notice now if you go to look at anything for the internet when you research it, it's like, oh, did you want to buy that? I mean, yeah. I'll go and research <laughs> anything. It's like, oh hey, did you want to buy that Air
1: Force Base? I'm like, no, I just wanted information. <laughs> Would you like on to Rome. buy a black hole? You're yeah, like, yeah, totally. Exactly. Well. Hook me up. So Maddie Bevins, uh, he said his, quote, "soul tool was a Commodore Amiga loaded with blue boxing program called Roxbox.
2: Hell yes. Shout out <laughs> to the Amiga.
1: I my brother and I had an Amiga when we were growing up.
2: Yeah, my neighbor Jay had one. We loved it.
1: Our it was so way too sophisticated for yes. our use. Like we played kids' educational games. Like he had to solve math problems and collect mm-hmm. crystals to like navigate a castle. Yeah, that was what we did on there. My grandma got us that computer at this crazy ass store in Berkeley. That was half computer store, half tennis store. (laughs) That's so Berkeley. It it was called it was called Winner's Circle. Oh my god! Legitimately sold computers and tennis gear. So the store's owner had two interests. I yeah, I thought I was misremembering it and like confusing two (laughs) stores. And I was like, hold (laughs) on a second. I had to look it up. There are old Yelp reviews of this place. (laughs) It doesn't exist anymore, but it existed then. I got my rackets restrung there. But then we'd also be like, can I get a cool educational game like popular kids would do <laughs> like i may have been wearing orthoped or, or like orthodontic neck gear may have been when i went in there i don't know who's to say whatever so matthew he had an amiga shout out to amigas um he hacked the rome lab he said he was doing it because he wanted to like prove ufo conspiracy stuff he said i was not interested in weapons codes just the ufos yeah. um He thought that they were totally hiding UFO information. He wanted to find out what it was. He said, quote, There were a lot of weird coincidences, which add up to the possibility of it most likely being true. I like to think what I saw was not misinformation. Hmm. He saw some stuff. Yeah. Did he tell the Blink-182 guy? That's my (laughs) question. So the Air Force figured out pretty soon that there were two people, they didn't know who, who had hacked into seven of the computer systems at Rome Labs Mm -hmm. and gained... Complete access to all the information in their systems. Just Damn. waltzed right in. They downloaded data files. Okay. They installed sniffer software programs on each of the seven systems, which meant they were able to read, copy, and delete emails, read and copy sensitive, unclassified battlefield simulation program data. Like Damn. they were just poking around where they really shouldn't have been. So the Air Force realizes, okay, we got two two creepers in here. They figure, we're going to leave a couple of these hacked systems open, but secure the other ones so that we can trace them if they come in again. So April 14th, 1994, the Air Force, they see Coogee, sneak, 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 <sighs> doing little hand signs, into the Goddard Space Flight Center at uh, Greenbelt, Maryland. Okay. And they said they were able to cut his connection before he could take any information. That same day, the Air Force said he also attempted to hack into Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. Now, Wright-Patterson is where a lot of UFOs stuff yeah. allegedly, allegedly destroyed. So the next day on April 15th, the Air Force said that um, they saw him trying to break into Wright-Patterson again, as well as NATO headquarters in Brussels.
2: Well, but, okay.
1: You know, yeah, why, why not? not? Yeah, go to the Listen, top. Listen, it's like you're wandering around. You see a nice little shop. You're like, oh, I I, I, might as well go in there. Just
2: poke in there for a second. Who knows what they have in there? You know,
1: it's like you go to the store and when they're like, did you find everything okay? You know what? Actually, I found more than I needed. (laughs) That's him poking around. So there's this guy named Ryan Sprague. And he's a regular on such hit shows as Mysteries Decoded, Ah. Ancient Aliens, one of your favorites. Mm. Hard-hitting stuff. Mm. He wrote a piece on Medium about this, so Mm. 100% (laughs) well-vetted. He said that Matthew realized after spending some time on those computers that he, quote, had the potential to single-handedly launch missiles from the base, Wisely, he decided to veer his focus away from warfare and concentrated solely on trying to find any information related to highly advanced aircraft. Searching for space-related activity, he first looked at Goddard Space Center. He began to download and copy dozens of files that he had found about space-related technology. But this didn't seem to satisfy his appetite. And then he shifted his focus to a base that held a hefty reputation for supposedly storing the wreckage of a downed UFO.
2: Area 51.
1: Wright Patterson Air Force Base. Yeah. So Matthew admits, you know what? I'm just doing it out of curiosity, but my golly, it's so easy. That's the other reason. It's like it takes no effort. There's this website, greatspacing.com. I found the yeah. How did you top find the shelf? <laughs> yeah, this is amazing um, research. They said that Matthew found information from Wright Patterson because they're the ones who supposedly had the Roswell incident mm-hmm. stuff. And then he also supposedly found a description about um, the powerful engine that was in the Roswell Incident uh, Technology Vehicle UFO (laughs) Space Sky thing. This is so much fun. Go on. (laughs) So he also found files about Room 18. Okay. And he was heavily... Questioned about what he knew about Room 18 when they finally caught him. Mm-hmm. Did you know there's a Megadeth song called Hangar 18 oh, that is about related? it's about this place? Yeah, Hangar 18, Room 18. It's mm-hmm. supposedly like at Area 51 where they keep all the the special the aircraft, alien, alien aircraft, yeah, alien jublies, yes. all the alien jubblys, the various interstellar if, ratchets. I'm sorry, but if Megadeth wrote a song about it, it's legit.
2: Did you know it's true? It Dave happened. Mustaine has never lied once in his Not life. A once. All he knows is the truth and guitar licks.
1: Yeah, that's it pure. So the Air Force, they finally figure out who these people are, right? And they figure they're working together. Coogee, DataStream, Cowboy. Mm. Or just DataStream to the overly familiar feds. Or Mr. Cowboy if you're nasty. (laughs) So they figured that Coogee was like coaching DataStream via online chat sessions when he would have a trouble. And then DataStream would try again successfully. So per the Senate subcommittee hearing, a few years later, quote, Kuji was a far more sophisticated hacker than the 16-year-old DataStream. Air Force investigators were able to observe that Kuji would only stay on a telephone line a short time, not long enough to be traced successfully. Uh, so he's just, you know, pushing him. Go on out there. You, you poke around. You tell me what you find. Uh, DataStream, though, he wasn't – he did big dog stuff on his own, too. Okay. He hacked into a couple of NASA's systems. Hmm. Lockheed Martin. Ooh. And then, allegedly, another NATO computer. Um, but his next hack is what really got him on the radar for U.S. officials. He somehow got into a system in Korea and obtained all the data stored on the Korean Atomic Research Institute system. Oh, snap. And then he took it and deposited it in Rome Labs files. Oh, so you made it look like a spy move? Uh-huh. <laughs> That's amazing. So, like, the people at Rome, all this Korean stuff pops up. And at first, they don't know. North Korean, South Korean. It just says Korean. Yeah. And, I I mean, I, I don't understand how they get confused by this, but what have you. Um, They were probably waiting on a translator. <laughs> They're like, okay, this is Korean, but I don't know what stripe. So, um, but the problem is if it's North Korea, the North Koreans are going to think that this is, like, an aggressive act of war. Sure. Luckily. A few hours later, I suppose they rustled up a translator, they figured out that he had hacked into the South Korean Atomic Research Institute. So they were able to smooth it over, like, hey, look, we had a problem on our end. Uh, The U.S. believed that that these hacks had, quote, caused more harm than the KGB and made him a number one threat to the world. Were they being a little hyperbole? Slightly. Just a little? Slightly. But I mean, when you <laughs> the think about the it, KGB. like— Because they're thinking he has all this free access. If he did this sure. under our noses totally unexpectedly, what else could he do? Sure, I get you. According to Matthew, Special Agent Jim Christie at the Air Force Office of Special Investigations claimed that the work of Coogee and Datastream, quote, nearly started a third world war. And then a Pentagon source allegedly said that he was possibly the single biggest threat to world peace since Adolf Hitler. Wow, don't overstate <laughs> it. I mean, jeez. I mean... You're leaving it like a couple other candidates, yeah, but cool. whatever. Cup, cup, cup a couple, of few. Uh, so in a 26-day period, these two then-unknown hackers, they struck more than 150 times. Damn. So they're just... One after another. Military didn't know who they were, where they were, and then an informant steps up. Ooh. I would love to know who that was and what their motivation
2: was. Oh, we don't know who the snitch was? No.
1: It's probably like a, you know, a hacker who wasn't invited into this cool hacker. Sure it was somebody
2: who knew them and was like, Oh yeah, well watch this. I'll go tell everybody <laughs> what you're doing and we'll see how long that lasts.
1: Well, thanks to this snitch, the feds. They get pointed towards Datastream Cowboy, wow. who is a 16-year-old boy named Richard Price, lives in the U.K. He said he liked to attack military sites because of how insecure they were.
2: A man named Dick Price is going to talk about he's how insecure bullying, military... He's
1: bullying the military. He's like, oh, you're insecure? I'm going to attack you. He's a bully. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> now, um, let's take a little look at old uh, Datastream Cowboy. Teen in North London. Mm-hmm. He got a D in computer science class. <laughs> Which hell, I lot. do that. A lot. I mean, it's what it tells me is that, like, is that not a good metric? Well, is that a good metric of your abilities? Yeah, no. Um, his family said he'd only been like hacking and scooting and rebooting for like six <laughs> months. <laughs> that's a quote as a direct quote. I love all this tech talk. Um, <laughs> I don't want to get too, yeah, I, I, I'm sorry, so much. I got too technical there for yeah. you a second. It's
2: okay. Um, booting, scooting, <laughs> freaking. I'm just learning so much.
1: Everything then comes crashing down. Zaren, yes, Elizabeth, close your eyes. Oh, okay. <laughs> I want you to picture it. My eyes are closed. It's May of 1994. Mm -mm -mm Mm-mm-mm-mm by the crash (laughs) test dummies somehow clinging to the middle of the UK pop charts. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Shoop by salt and Pepper's just been released. Yeah. yeah. it's that time. You live in Collingdale, a suburban district in the north of London. You're, you're a retired woman. Yeah, well, you know. You're a handsome woman. Thank you. Uh, you're outside of your semi-detached house. You sweep in the walkway when a bunch of unmarked cars come screeching to a halt in front of your neighbor's house across the street. Ooh, rather. They're a nice family, Nick and Allison. They have a boy named Richard. He's a quiet sort. He's tall and slender with that, like, grown-out 90s Prince Valiant Bob haircut. You know what I'm talking about, right? It's a a rough one. Like, I'm going to grow my hair out. Um, You wonder what in the world could be going on. What in the world could be going on? But you're not ashamed of your curiosity. You're like one of those hackers you might have read about in the paper. (laughs) Your only crime is curiosity, (laughs) Mrs. Zan. I'm the criminal. (laughs) You lean against your broom. You adjust your glasses. The men knock on the door. When Allison answers, they introduce themselves as investigators with the Scotland Yard Computer Crime Unit.
2: Uh, I was hoping for Flying Squad.
1: Allison, yeah, raw. Allison seems confused. She invites him in, but you're criminally curious, remember, Mm -hmm. right? So you hike up your nylons and you scurry across (laughs) the road. You, like, leap over the low brick wall that surrounds their back garden. Just, like, take it with one hand on the wall and then jump over (laughs) Um, you I mean, like, you clear that sprit thing, and you just, like, spring down like a lynx. I'm spry for an old girl. Yeah, you are. Uh, you creep over to the window to Richard's room. Boy. I don't want to know how you know that's his window. <laughs> and he doesn't have curtains, and I don't want to know how you knew that. I gotta be a creepy old lady. You're so creepy old lady. So you peek in, and you see as Allison leads the cops into Richard's room. He looks up at him. One says, data stream cowboy, I presume. I... That's not what he said. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was probably way more clumsy than that. But we're 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 having an imagination exercise. Yes. Uh, Richard just like crumples to the floor, wailing and crying. That part, not that is true. Okay. Um, so you, old ladies, Aaron, you you fear the net is closing on you too. Oh, if they caught Datastream, they could be after me. Maybe you my... are after your hacker persona, Giga Juice, <laughs> and then you'd be next. So you go sprinting <laughs> off towards your secret bunker. I've got to unplug my machines back to data stream okay so his family totally confused they can't imagine that he'd be a hacker he's on the floor crying
2: (laughs) he's charged (laughs) bundle of (laughs) nerves
1: he's charged with 12 counts of gaining unauthorized access to computer systems all of them u.s sites he'd go on to plead guilty pay a fine but he wasn't the mastermind that was cuji and where's cuji right when we come back i'll let you know if cuji's ninja powers kicked in
0: No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Haya. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity Voice Remote. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry.
2: Yeah, what's up, Elizabeth? Did you
1: like those ads?
2: I'm sorry, I was adjusting my nylons.
1: <laughs> you missed out. Was, those those commercials are really good this time. Oh, nice. Well, you so can good. tell me about them later. I, well, I'll just, you know, we'll play them over and over. Uh, when we left off, <laughs> Datastream Cowboy, he got pinched for hacking, but Coogee, a.k.a. Matthew Bevan, still in the wind. U.S. and U.K. officials have no idea who Coogee is. How so could they? they? get Well, they got the informant on Datastream, but... They didn't have any informants uh, for Matthew. Yeah, I'm guessing
2: dream told one of his young friends, and the young friend told their parents, and the parents told cops or something. Yeah,
1: or you ratted him out.
2: Or me, yeah, because I didn't want them to find my machines, and I was like, take the kid.
1: Exactly. Or, take the kid. (laughs) So, at first, uh, all of the the feds, they think it's an Eastern European spy. Of course. They always always blame the Eastern Europeans. Or that they were working for Chinese intelligence. The Again, usual always just go right there. Um, by the end of the summer of 94, Matthew had quit the game, though. Okay, He stopped hacking on his own volition. As we talked about in our heist episode, he said it was because he met a girl and that he'd be more <laughs> interested in spending time with her than on the computer, which, you know, makes okay, sense to me. Fair enough. Um, why he couldn't find a girl who was into hacking and then they could sit next to each other and hold hands while hacking. I don't know. Try it out.
2: You're such a romantic.
1: Not really. So <laughs> within a few years, <laughs> he married the, uh, uh, the girl he met online. So he
2: didn't find a girl. He found a wife.
1: Yeah. 56 days after their first chat, they got married. Nice. Um, and Good he on. got a job as a computer programmer for an insurance company.
2: No, um, okay. You know, he went straight. Yeah. Gets paid, I'm sure.
1: British and American intelligence officials though, they had not stopped looking for him. June of ninety six, a British official <laughs> was sorting through the documents that they found on DataStream's hard drive. Okay. God only knows, right? It's
2: got to be, like, emails or something. Well, there
1: were enough documents to fill 40 filing cabinets.
2: Oh, never mind. And
1: so it took them, like, three weeks yeah. to get through it. But, like... Three weeks? I'm going to guess months, it wasn't years. all interesting hacking stuff. No, I bet a lot of it was not. Pudding recipes, Pudding basically. <laughs> um, so at the bottom of one file, they finally find a name, Coogee, and a phone number. And that's how they were able to find Matthew Bevan. Yeah. Data Stream dropped the ball. He... Matthew gave him a pudding recipe. Yeah. <laughs> and he put a note at the bottom. Coogee gave this to me. Call if you have questions. Um, so they arrest Matthew Bevan, June 21st, 1996. He's in his office. Ooh. That's got to be fun. At the insurance company? Uh-huh. You're the, the computer programmer? Yeah, um, they brought him in due to the hacks of the US Air Force, NASA, and NATO. That's another one. Like, you know, you get arrested at work, but then that's that's a big arrest. So you're kind of thinking like, yeah, this is this is
2: cool. Like, when I get back, I should ask for more money.
1: Right. Look how good I am. <laughs> Come on, y'all. So he's held in question for 36 hours, charged with two counts of conspiracy with his alleged partner, Datastream. Um, conspiracy to access and modify data held on U.S. Air Force and Lockheed computer systems. And then later for installing the Sniffer program into computers to collect login information and then... And also intent to impair operations. So. Poking and hacking, scooting and computing and rebooting.
2: Thank you for putting that in technical terms.
1: You know, I just want to be precise. Yeah. I like specificity of language, I'm, Zaren.
2: I'm learning so much. I appreciate Thank it. Thank
1: you. So in that Kevin Sprague medium piece, he yeah. said, quote, Bevan complied with every question, spouting answers about the information he had uncovered about supposed anti-gravity propulsion technology. Ooh. He was asked if he had any political motivations, in which he replied he had none. Clearly, this was boiling down to a case of espionage and possible military implications. Bevan remained truthful, explaining that he was simply searching for information pertaining to UFOs. With this, the authorities began to ease down, their tone becoming a bit more light as they began to peg this hacker as nothing more than an X-Files idiot, as one Scotland (laughs) Yard member once (laughs) stated. So he's actually going for really interesting things, like all this crazy technology. Oh, he's an X-Files idiot. He's not a threat, he's one of those X-Files idiots. Judgy. I'm telling Bevin you Bevan gets uh, threatened with 15 years in prison. Oof. So he tells David Glover, remember one of the producers of the heist, um that he would have pleaded guilty to his exact hacking crimes, but they were trying to tie him to bigger conspiracies that didn't exist and he's like why would I plead guilty? That's not, you know, what's going to happen. 18 months later case dropped. Smart. Uh-huh. The Crown decided, quote, it was not in the public interest to prosecute him.
2: Oh, I bet the thoughts about the Internet changed.
1: Uh-huh. So the prosecutor on the case said the court's hands are tied as to sentence and the role of this defendant was secondary to that of another who was dealt with by a fine. So like we we find data stream. This isn't worth it. I think they just, it would bring out too much in court. That's my, what I imagine. Yeah. I
2: mean, the discovery alone.
1: Yeah. So, and then so exposure of all these, With all the know,
2: ideas of the secrets and how you got there and the fact yeah. that they were there to, you did basically give a wish list to more hackers to come right, find stuff.
1: Exactly. So, when this, It's all over. Matthew keeps a low profile. He works as a security expert. He also possibly helped on viral marketing campaigns for companies like Nintendo or uh, t- uh, TV channel E4, their digital site. Okay. At the time of the heist, he was working as a computer security and IT consultant, and he had his own company called Coogee Media Corporation. <laughs> but I looked, and in public filings, it looks like that was dissolved in 2014. I have no idea what he does now.
2: I bet it's with computers. I'm sure he's listening. Yeah.
1: What's up, dude? Uh <laughs> that a stream? Cowboy? He flew straight right away. Like, well, he, he was young, I bet. He's like had a lot of life oh, left yeah. to live. So he goes to the Royal College of Music in London, studies double bass, and he's currently a member of the London Tango Quintet.
2: Oh, he's a tango musician?
1: No. No. Okay. <laughs> Let me read you the bio from his, from the website. Richard was awarded a scholarship to study at the Royal College of Music where he won the Eugene Croft Solo Double Bass Prize and went on to do the postgraduate jazz course at the Guildhall School of Music and Drama. Since then, he's been in demand as classical studio and jazz musician, appearing at venues from Ronnie Scott's to the Royal Opera House. Richard has worked with artists including the Dixie Chicks, Jamie Cullen. Him, Nitin Sonny, and Shirley Bassey. Ooh, Shirley Bassey. And he, I thought you were going to say that about the Dixie Chicks. And he regularly <laughs> invited, although they're just the chicks now, No, they're right? just
2: the chicks now, yeah. Yeah. No, I was impressed. Oops. I was just, you know. Yeah.
1: And he's regularly invited to play electric bass with ensembles such as the London Symphony Orchestra and the Philharmonia. Richard was a member of the Improvising String Quintet, Basquiat Strings. What? Which yeah. Which was nominated for a Mercury Award in two thousand seven. During the past five years he said he has been busy in London's top studios recording film scores and working with artists such as Sam Smith, Ellie Goulding, and
2: uh, Amy Winehouse.
1: Kanye West. Con- oh, Kanye West. He is oh. currently working, not with Kanye West, because <laughs> Kanye West is not currently working, with the operatic baritone <laughs> Simon Keenly side performing jazz standards to opera fans across Europe. So nice. there you go. The
2: whole, like, Basquiat one of Basquiat, like, uh, that bothers me, but whatever. I mean,
1: it sounds like, like, oh, Banksy Keys. I mean, <laughs> basically, I, I wanted to investigate further as to what Basquiat Strings is. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, you know what? Don't hold anger in your heart. (laughs) (laughs) Release that. I just don't need that right now. Um, So that's that. There's these two hacker boys. I have no idea what they eventually learned, but I'm sure that it was like... They have the key to endless energy, transportation. (laughs) Well,
2: we now kind of know what they must have learned because, like the basically, the Navy has come out and said, "Yeah, those all the footage you've seen, like off of like the Nimitz and some of these ships, it's real, and there's UFOs, and we don't know what they are." And it's been pretty much like I would say admitted by the the U.S. military machine that. There are things out there and they want to go, oh, it could be Russians or Chinese, you know, unmanned vehicles that we don't know about. But shy of that, it's most likely something that is intercosmic or, you know, cosmic in nature. But
1: they'll say, yeah, we don't know what that is, but... Matthew Bevan seems to have stumbled into that they, they do know what yes. some of the technology is. Well,
2: that's, the, that's what everybody's always wanted is yeah. the, the warp engine understanding. Yeah.
1: I want a warp engine, basically. I want anti-grav.
2: I just want to be able to, like—I've always had the dream of being able to repel myself against the gravitational field of the Earth. I would like to do that.
1: Okay, Let's let's get on that. Yeah. I'm just going to boot up the computer. Get me an Amiga, <laughs> and I'll look into it for you. Thank I'm you. happy I'd to help. That. Why, why didn't you ask earlier? I,
2: I just didn't know if you would be willing to boot and scoot for me. And uh... as
1: long as it involves Excel and maybe a little PowerPoint on the side, <laughs> you know, just a little dabblings. Um, that's it. That's enough. Stop talking about this. <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> you can find us online at Ridiculous Crime on both Twitter and Instagram. And you can use the iHeart app to leave us a talkback voicemail. Don't don't email us at ridiculouskind at gmail.com. <laughs> or do. You know, who am I to say? Just don't hack us. <gasps> Wouldn't that be terrible?
2: In all of our emails.
1: Get into my network. Get out of my network. Tune in next time. Ridiculous Crime is hosted by Elizabeth Dutton and Zaren Burnett. That's pro- me! Produced and edited by Dave Kustin, the Freak of the Week digital diva. Research is by Head of Area 51 Misinformation, B- Marissa Brown. The theme song is by Thomas Hackadoodle Lee and Travis Beepoo Baboo Beep Dutton. Executive producers are Ben Keyboard Dancer Bolin and Noel Silent Mouse Brown.
3: Ridiculous Crime. Say it one more time. Ridiculous
0: Crime. Ridiculous Crime is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
3: I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico.
2: Today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's L E E S A dot com slash iHeart.